Welcome back to part two of the Stompcast. We're going to be continuing our conversation here. We'll be talking about the changes that you've made, Sunny, to your physical and your mental health. If you're listening and you want more advice, mental health advice, mental fitness advice, check out my book, The Mind Manual. Let's get cracking. Sunny and I are wandering around Victoria Park. We've seen a school. We think it's a dad's sports day, wasn't it? Dad's uh, race? I think or? it was a sports day, but the dads were racing. It's so always the dads that seem to shout the loudest as yes, well. There was a lot of testosterone going <laughs> on. There was a lot going there. on there. There was <laughs> I, you know, I saw a, a meme the other day on Instagram and it was joking about parents on sports day, how like the parents, it's like, I mean, the kids are just sat there, don't really care. The parents are like, come on! Oh, going, yes. Like the, the I saw actually the video of like the, you know, with the, the three-legged race and like the parent and the child, and the dad was like carrying this child. <laughs> basically said like hold on to my leg and like jet propelling himself across it's rather that or dragging him along yeah, yeah which is which is funny it made me laugh can we walk up here we can yeah so we're just wandering as we start part two just wandering up to a very beautiful canal actually here that Stunning. runs to victoria park i didn't actually know this is this existed do you wander along here well i take my nephew over the bridges oh, so wow, yeah he likes beautiful. to sit in the buggy and just watch if there is obviously boats that come past isn't it nice when you sort of just look at the water and it's just rippling and it feels so calming, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the canal boats are walking alongside them here. And I think it's something about being by water with the psychological like, safeness that's associated with it. So a lot of your like childhood memories might be by the seaside or rivers or, you know, you kind of, there's a real feeling that it takes you back to times that did often feel safe. There's also a lot of psychological theory around open bodies of water open spaces just providing like the kind of safeness and sa- like sanctitude of that kind of area yeah know, psychologically you feel safe with it all and um, it's definitely great i definitely find it great for my mental health like i love i was back in wales and just being by the sea i always feel calmer by the sea yeah let's pick up where we left off in in part one so how did you establish you know the the routine i guess across the whole of your life, the lifestyle, because it is like having a new life, isn't it? Like when I went from my previous lifestyle, the way I think of it, or my previous life actually is how I say it, to how it is now, there's been a huge change in the way I spend my days, I think, or the way I view food, the way I view, view movements and all these different things. But for me, it was actually quite gradual. I started with moving more and I've ended up probably about halfway through deciding to get rid of alcohol because I felt that was a limitation for me yes. quite massively with a lot of things or made a lot of things harder in my life and then one of the last things was really rebuilding my relationship with food so how did you start off and, and do you have like a structure to it or, or is it just now becoming part of just routine? Well I think mine's been gradual over the years to be honest I think um, my mum always says she feels sorry for me because I've got her genes you know the, the yo-yoing weight this that whatever I mean the start of January, I mean, I did go in as into into this to go, I'm going to try and do as much as I can to put goodness in me. Um, and I've never proactively done it before, you know, like I've always gone, I'm going to have a couple of lunches that will feel healthy, you know, in a week or this, that, whatever. And this was literally dedicating, you know, months to just going, I, you know, I deserve to have goodness in me. Um, and, you know, I've started taking loads of supplements, that sort of stuff. And then eventually, you know, loads of water and then mixing that with going to the gym. Suddenly I've just got this feeling of just this makes me feel so good and I don't want to stop it. And, you know, nor should I. And when I like I said, you know, when I do stop it five days, not going to the gym, I still feel good because I'm still eating good. But it's that, you know, it's the whole equation of everything that is put together that makes you feel 
I am the healthiest that I've ever felt. That no, feeling. You've, you've smiled the most in those last kind of 20, 30 seconds yeah. when you have the whole conversation so far. And I think because it, you know what you're saying is authentic, like you are, or you authentically feel exactly what, what you're saying. And, and I think that's just such a positive thing to see. And I'm sure you can, the beautiful thing about radio is that you might not be able to see someone, but you can feel them smile. Absolutely. Isn't it interesting with radio? Yeah. You can feel people's emotion through voice, even though you can't see them. And so what's really interesting about what you've said is that a, I resonate completely with it, and that's my approach. But really, it's what I would say is a very, and this word is very often used, but it's a very healthy approach, I think, to um, making changes because you're not talking about restricting and taking out. You're talking about nourishing and putting in. Yes. And I think that's really important because I've done every, you know, I've talked about it before. You know, I've been hopefully very open about, you know, things like Love Island and just the most ridiculous things I was doing to my body to try yeah. and get in shape and so on. And that was all restricting, removing, taking away from my life, punishing myself effectively. Whereas mindful eating or more, more so mindful living is all about thinking, what do I put in? Because when you focus more about what you're putting into your life, whether it's more movement, yeah. more vegetables, more water, it displaces and replaces things that are harmful without making it restrictive. So, I, you know, I, I was thinking the other day, I haven't had a KFC in so, so long, but I haven't told myself that yeah. I can't have a KFC. I just know that when I eat, like, balanced foods, and especially, I, I feel so great when I eat lots of, I love fruities, I like fruit and veg and all this kind of stuff. When I eat those things, I feel good. And I'm focusing on feeling good and therefore it's just displaced it. And that's nothing against having KFC. I still love a KFC bucket of course, every now and then. But you don't but miss I, it. You don't. I don't miss it. I, but if I said to myself, no more KFC, no more this, no more carbs, all these kind of things. What's that going to do? It's, it's, well, first of all, it doesn't last. <laughs> Your brain's going to go. Your brain goes. Yeah. And that's what happened when I was training for Love I've done it a few times in my life. I mean, like growing up at, you know, at our age, we grew up, I think, a lot with the diets and stuff yes, like that. Yes, of course. There's, much yeah. for, there's a lot for guys as well as girls, but let's get lean, you know, lean in six weeks and all this kind of stuff. You know, men's health magazines have changed so much over the years. Of and course. Fair play for them. They've changed with the times and it's no judgment on them at all. But, you know, when we were growing up, it was all about, all about get six pack in 12 weeks. And Absolutely. Stuff like that, yeah. you know. And that change has, has, has been so important. And for me, I think... It has made such a difference, just thinking more positively about this change rather than thinking it as restrictive. And was that a conscious decision for you then? Because you talked about, you said like you were thinking, I want to think what was good for me. Were you yep. aware of the risks of being restrictive? And were you almost afraid of it? Because I worry even now, like, gosh, just be careful that it doesn't become too much, doesn't become obsessive, doesn't wow. become restrictive. That's the thing that I worry about, you know, yeah. and I, I haven't got to that point at all. And as I said, because I think I think of it in a very different way, but it is always a worry in the back of your head. Like. I'll tell you what was a worry for me. When I first started working out in January, I've got an Apple Watch, you know, and it's so easy to go, right, I need to do 10,000 steps a day. I'm going to track every calorie that I put into my body. You know, I'm going to set a challenge of how many calories I should do a day. And I just found myself getting a bit obsessed with it. And, you know, I started looking at food going, well, you're 200 calories, but it's not because it's 200 calories of bad, it's 200 good cat, like, do you know what I mean? Exactly. So I, I don't wear it anymore because I felt like it, that that was like a sort of toxic part of what I was doing and it, I had to remove that. Um, mm. So I sort of, yeah, that for me was massive to take that off and just stop because I thought, I, if I'm doing this every day, I know that I'm doing good to my body. Mm. If I'm eating good every day, I know I'm, you know, eating to put good in my body. You know, it's eating because your body, it's essentially an engine, right? Yeah. If you start putting 
you know different mixed oils into your body like into your engine it's at some point gonna go yeah you know Absolutely. so i just thought you know Absolutely. take the watch off just eat well you know I, I think portion control for me was massive um i grew up in a family where if you didn't finish your dinner my on dad the table, said that to me. sorry dad but you're always like that yeah <laughs> said, finish yeah. your dinner finish your dinner yeah. and it's like you know if you didn't finish your dinner you, you wouldn't be able to leave the table yeah, where yeah. actually i've learned that portion control is massive because you know in yourself when you're you you're don't full. need to feel full up you don't need to feel full you yeah. need to feel like okay i've eaten and I've, I've done well there do you know what i mean like yeah. <laughs> i've had a good meal but i'm not stuffing myself yeah i used yeah. to stuff myself well i think it's a lot of it's conditioning because we condition to eat until we feel when i say full i mean I different minds now i mean full that i'd feel like i don't I, i'm i'm satisfied yes whereas full used to mean like oh christ like, like, like getting up to the table i've eaten yeah. too much and we all know you feel bad you don't let's be honest you don't feel good afterwards you need nah. to lie down <laughs> you, you, need get a nap. Get, you can't <laughs> sleep you get indigestion and, that, oh that God, feeling, it's, all, it's, yeah. it's hell you can't move yeah you can't walk and um, so like i think it's recalibrating that so i think a lot of it is what's instilled and what what we were brought up with i mean it's very interesting that in western society our primary meal is our evening meal right yes so like we often have our biggest meal at the end of the day which it doesn't require too much science to think that when you're eating a big meal and going to bed probably doesn't make a huge amount of sense and often our evening meals become meals become the most carb dense meals yeah you know and again you know I, i've talked about this in other episodes and have had guests talk about this as well with specialisms in this area like you know we need all of our macronutrients we need all of our micros you need your proteins your fats your carbs you need all your vitamins and your nutrients they're all very important yep. you can have slightly different ratios depending on your culture different ratios depending on your preferences but in reality you do actually you know you need fundamentally to have a good balance of all of them but thinking about how we consume them is really important some of it is just thinking like does this work for me? Like I found personally, like I, I'm just not a big breakfast person. I'm not. I often, I, I, this morning I've come to meet you and it's now, we're recording this, it's past 12 o'clock. Now I'm starting to feel ready to eat. I just don't get hungry at breakfast. I'm not stopping myself. I'm not, I just don't feel hungry. Whereas in the past, I'd like force myself to have breakfast, feel a bit sick, yes. then not really enjoy my, my lunch or have like a, like a really light lunch, then be really hungry for dinner and have a massive, eat most of my food in the evening whereas now like i think well actually do you know what i don't really agree with having breakfast too much i have plenty of water i'll have my coffee and then lunchtime i'll have probably a bigger lunch because i train usually about five o'clock in the evening nice. and that'll yeah. fuel me for that absolutely and in the evening i think about like you know proteins and very veg dense meal that kind of i think restores me i think it's a lot of it's psychological i think filling yourself full of nutrients before bed and your rest i think a lot of it is that psychological yeah. there's not not necessarily evidence behind that but it really helps me to think right have i had my veg and my fruit and things today so some of it's reprogramming isn't it totally and I, i'm i'm the same with the breakfast thing because when i first started training i was like right i'm gonna because i train like 11 o'clock in the morning so I always used to think, all right, I'm going to get up, eat sort of like a sort of carby breakfast, you know, fill me up, give me energy to go to the gym. If anything, I mean, everybody is different, right? So, you know, I started doing that and then I ended up cutting out my breakfast because I was like, I'm literally forcing this down me just because yeah. I have to eat breakfast. And it turned out when I stopped, I found myself more focused in the gym. Yeah. Like, I weirdly had more energy because I wasn't feeling sluggish and... I'm exactly the same. Yeah, so... I'm exactly I, the And same. it's not that I'd just go, you know, if I was hungry, I'd, I'd eat something. 
an yeah. apple or a banana or yeah. something that isn't like yeah. too carby stodgy or yeah. something. But yeah, it's just, it's weird. And do you know what, we, we, we must be very similar because the reason I don't gym in the morning is I walk my dog Rolo in the morning. So I right. want him to have like, and, I, and that is, I basically bookend my day with exercise. I start my day with a walk, which is cool. great exercise, by yeah. the way. Like, and anyone says that stomping and walking isn't exercise, I mean, it definitely like, is. I, mean, I want to speak breath. to them. I'm out of breath. You've got long legs, Alex. Yeah. The evidence of walking <laughs> for your cardiovascular health and your brain is amazing. It's yes. fantastic exercise. So I start my day with exercise and I, uh, and I end my day with exercise. And people call it bookending. And it's a great yes. way to look at dealing with things like stress and things in your day. Obviously, that only... Obviously, that works differently depending on your lifestyle and so Absolutely. on. Absolutely. I used to train in the morning, and it's exactly the same as you. Oddly, I started realising that when I stopped trying to eat before going to the gym, I had more energy and exercise, and, and actually, I became hungry a couple of hours after, and I just felt generally better throughout the day when I just listened to my body. So, I know it sounds, people might think, oh gosh, it sounds a bit woo-woo or whatever, but genuinely, like, listen to yourself. Everyone's yeah. different. Don't force yourself to eat because, you know, British society, we eat at seven o'clock. Exactly. Eat when your body is telling you need to eat. And when you don't need to eat, don't force yourself. Yeah, that is exactly it. Yeah. With the bookending of the day as well, I'm exactly the same because I've got two dogs. So in the morning I go to the gym and then before I leave to go to work, I make sure I give them a walk so that I've left them and they've walked. But yeah, it's that thing of like just having those two things throughout the day. It's the peak. Mm. And what I was saying about the peaks in part one is that they're my sort of moments where I feel feel really good in what I'm doing during the day, you know? And if I get to go to work and feel another peak, then great. How do you prevent yourself from becoming obsessed with the results? And I say this is important because, I mean, I'm very briefly to say, you know, I, I know roughly that I, what I weighed uh, before I started losing weight. I don't know what I weigh now, and that's yeah. that God's honest truth. Yeah. I, I can tell you roughly what I think I weigh, and I know I've lost quite a lot of weight but I don't know and I also don't know how many calories I eat or anything like that there's lots of different reasons for those things part of it for me is I did not want to become result focused like this is how and, and even then I'm as fallible as everyone else that I look in the mirror and go oh there's a and you've got to watch yourself because you can easily become obsessed with it. You know, I've got ADHD it's just it's a big part of having yeah. ADHD is you become like so focused on this thing and it can spiral so you know you obviously you know, you've had a lot of this change and you touched upon this on your, on your socials and stuff. And yeah, I saw you joke about the six pack and stuff like that, yeah. which is amazing. We shouldn't ever take away. And I think it's always a balance. It's like physical changes. If it feels good for you and positive and healthy for you, let's celebrate that. There's nothing wrong with celebrating that at all. It's just remembering where it sits amongst the other parts Absolutely. of your health. Yeah. So yeah, how do you, how do you prevent that from becoming like, right, how to get more leaner or this or that, you know? I think, I think for me, I, you know, becoming obsessive, that, that again, the same reason I took my Apple Watch off, to stop tracking. The one thing that I did do throughout this whole process was I did buy a quite an expensive um, scales, right? And now I sort of regret buying them because I don't use them anymore. Uh, because the one thing I do is just I take regular pictures of how I look every week. And mm. I know that sometimes it's frightening mm -hmm. because you go, oh, this, that, whatever. But I can honestly say that's the one thing that's kept me motivated. Mm -hmm. You know, and you know, like you said, you can look at yourself in the mirror and go, I feel good. You know, as long as I feel good, that's fine. Becoming obsessed with weight and, you know, muscle mass and this, that, whatever. I just, you know, it's great if, you've, if that's what you want to do and you've got a goal to do that. 
but for me it's just always been about this whole process just as long as I feel good and if I, if I feel like I'm not feeling good because of a watch that's tracking everything I'll just take the watch off mm. and it's that's what you have to do because otherwise yeah you become obsessed with the results. And same with the trans if you're thinking about the photos if they become and because inherently having a, a transformation is such a laden word but taking photos that show your body over time is not inherently a problem it's no. a problem depending on how you use it and the psychological impact on yourself. If you're using those photos to beat yourself up no, as a way absolutely. to hurt yourself psychologically or, or you're just becoming so negative around it, then it is not a helpful tool. No. You know, and that's the exact reason I don't look at the weight and I don't weigh myself because I know, for me, that can be very a triggering thing. And I, don't, I just don't do it because I know that and calories is not a helpful thing for me uh, to focus on. Other people might have a different view and that's absolutely... Fine. So I think it's kind of finding that yeah, what works thing that, that works for you and just really recognising it when it becomes an issue. And if anyone listening, like I know because this conversation very triggering and things like um, disordered eating yep. or even eating disorders, you know, affect so many people. And you know, amongst my community, something that I talk about a lot, you know, if you are affected by some of these things, you're starting to think about your own relationship, check out our show notes have a look on some of the information on BEAT as well, because they'll give some great advice about steps to take. But one thing I would say to anyone who's thinking, you know, what is my relationship with food? Am I overeating to deal with stress, which is definitely what I was doing, and, and pain? Am I, you know, focused too much on weight and calories? Am I focused on these things? It's ask yourself, how do these things make me feel? What is my relationship? So if you're talking about progress photos, why are you using them? Absolutely. Is it a tool to, to beat yourself with? Yeah. Or is it something that you stand by and go, do you know what? I love myself in the first photo and I love myself in that last photo. I care and I'm compassionate to myself, but I appreciate that I've worked hard and there is a change. Absolutely. That's a very different thing. Like the body coach, Joe Wicks, has been on my podcast and this podcast before. We had a great conversation. He, he talks about that as well. It's kind of like, it's not about going, this person's more or less worthy than the person before. It's yeah. not about that. It's being compassionate and kind to p both people in those photos, isn't it? Of course it is. And it's just, it's knowing your body and it's, it's knowing how, like, if, if I didn't, you've just got to find what works for you. And I, I found that, you know, I've been trying to go to the gym for years and I've been trying to do this whole, you know, like you, we spoke about, you know, get a six pack in 12 weeks. Mm. It, it just, none of that works for me. Mm. The only thing that has ever worked for me is what's worked now, which is just consistency, being kind to myself, fueling my body of things it needs, you know, and just ultimately feeling good. And when you feel good, you get to share so much more energy with like, you know, work, your loved ones. And it, I, yeah, it's just the nicest feeling to be able to have more energy to mm -hmm. give, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and receive absolutely. in the same, it's absolutely. just, it's so nice. It's just so nice. Absolutely. I was you know, suddenly I was gonna ask you to finish part two, giving some of your takeaway messages or tips, and you've just done that beautifully, so there's absolutely no reason for you to yeah. add to more of that. So I hope that's been a useful part for you guys. Now we're gonna be back in part three, bit of a trigger warning, but in part three, we're gonna talk a little bit about, well, we're gonna talk about suicide and, and grief. You know, I lost my brother to suicide, which many of you know about. Um, Sonny, you lost, uh, you know, it's obvious to me from even from a distance, a close friend, uh, a colleague, um, Joe, to, to, to suicide, who um, I briefly, in a professional capacity, met or knew being produced for yes, the shows that yeah. we were doing. So um, you very kindly said that you would like to talk about it. And the reason we're talking about this, because, you know, sometimes I think sometimes we, we talk about difficult things and we've got to think about what the purpose is, what's the construct from it. And 
The reason I want to talk to you about it is because so many people are affected by loss and so many people are affected by suicide or even those that have been at that point. Yeah. You know, whether it's yourself feeling that way or whether it's someone else or whether you've lost someone, the ripple effect is huge. And I hope that some of the conversation we have in part three can just kind of help people that have lost someone, basically. So I hope you've enjoyed part two. It's been very, very enlightening and powerful. I've enjoyed the conversation very much. I'll see you all in part three.